Welcome to the Give This Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Kai. This podcast is sponsored by the GPS Island Program, which Forbes has stated helps entrepreneurs become professional speakers. For more information, go to ChristopherKai.com. Here's Alex Lazaro. He's a global venture investor, author, and adjunct professor. Alex, welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So I love the title of your book. It's called Out Innovate how global entrepreneurs from Delhi to Detroit are rewriting the rules of Silicon Valley. Great title, great topic. What inspired you to write it? You know, I've always been focused on this intersection between innovation, investing, and questions of impact. So by day, I'm a venture capitalist. I invest in startups, both in North America, but also around the world. And I also teach entrepreneurship at the Middlebury Institute for International Studies. And I was getting really frustrated that a lot of my students were going off, you know, I grew up in the middle of Canada, we're going back home to wherever they're from outside of the Valley typically, or, or even to emerging markets. And um, like the entrepreneurs I serve, I wanted to share information about startup best practice and things like that. And invariably, I always felt like I had to contextualize whatever I had, which was incredibly Silicon Valley centric and structured in a time and a place. And around the world, I think the best entrepreneurs operating in places like Chicago or Amsterdam or Bangalore or Nairobi have more in common with the best entrepreneurs operating in Sao Paulo than they do with those in San Francisco. And yet no one is telling their stories. And so I decided I would, I interviewed about 200 entrepreneurs from around the world, mostly folks leading some of the biggest, largest and most successful startups, a um, couple hundred million dollars, a couple billion dollars. And I think that taken together, the lessons that they offer not only challenge Silicon Valley's conventional wisdoms. Increasingly, they reinvent startup best practice in some meaningful ways. And I wanted to talk about that and those approaches and what they could teach all of us, both in the Valley and around the world. Well, let's talk about that, right? So I actually spoke at Google a few years back and I, was, I, I had one slide where, because it was all about how to communicate and connect better so you can catapult your career success based on networking. And one of the slides was books about Google from Googlers. <laughs> and no one really read all the books. So I'm curious that, yes, you are in the Bay Area, but there's a reason why the Bay Area is the Bay Area because you have, you have the Yahoo's and the Facebook's and all these companies that have blown up there. And yet you're saying, well, that's their world, but they're the most successful, at least in the eyes of the world. Now you're saying that the people outside there are more innovative. So, so talk about that. What do you mean by that? It's such an important point. Um, you know, what has changed over the last few years is that it is now easier than ever to start a startup. So on the one hand, there is a ton of business infrastructure. Things like Amazon Web Services make it possible to rent a supercomputer by the hour instead of having to have um, servers. Um, venture capital, albeit still concentrated in a couple of regions, is becoming more global and so is the entrepreneurial culture. So startups have become globalized. There's 480 startup hubs around the world. There's over a million venture funded startups. It's a global movement and so is success. So over 10% of the world's unicorns are coming from emerging markets. 35% are coming from China. The world's largest ed tech company is in India. The world's largest digital bank is in Brazil. The world's, lar the world's largest robotic process automation company came out of Romania. Um, and so success stories on how to build startups are coming from the rest of the world. This doesn't mean that Silicon Valley doesn't have anything to teach us, but Silicon Valley's lessons are context specific. They are for a time and a place and a moment and a particular type of company. Yet around the world, innovation is happening and it's blossoming and it's blossoming in different ways. And that's why I think it's relevant. 
No, that's that's fascinating because again, it's like you are where you are, but again, it's like you're like the Harvard of the startup world, and so it's like, yeah, Harvard's not that impressive, but when you go out elsewhere, so when did you realize that that awareness? Because you have companies, as you mentioned, all around the world, whether it's San Francisco, New York, Paris, Munich, Tel Aviv, Beijing, Shanghai. Yeah, although although Silicon Valley might try to argue that they're the Stanford of uh, of the of the school world. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. But uh, but yeah, uh, touche, Stanford. I, I I realized it by thinking first about what are the startups that are getting funded and what do they look like because I think that starting point teaches us something really interesting. In the Valley, we're obsessed with this notion of disrupting. Everyone's either disrupting or being disrupted. It has this beautiful, romantic, modern day David and Goliath. <laughs> aspect to it, but um, it also influences the types of problems getting solved and oh, where entrepreneurial attention goes to. Looking for a market that exists that's proven, but there's an inefficient, ineffective, large incumbent that can get disrupted. Around the world, the best entrepreneurs are often choosing a different problem. They're choosing this problem of being a creator. They're looking for markets where um, there is no established mass market solution and they are the ones building it. They're building a new product or solution for the market using business or technological innovation. And two, they're offering it for the mass market. And three, often they are the shoulders upon giants of giants upon which others build. They really are building their ecosystem. That's and, fascinating. And it's actually more than just semantics. If you look at the Valley, less than 20% of unicorns are in industries like financial services or education or agriculture or healthcare, but in emerging markets, the numbers are flipped. In Sub-Saharan Africa forever, uh, for instance, it's over 60%. Um, and so the types of companies getting built are different. And that was really what put me on of trying to study, well, how do you build these companies? Fascinating. And why are you still there then? Like you're, you're talking about evangelizing all these other markets, but you're still in the Bay Area. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting. Um, uh, I, uh, I have one foot in the Valley because I think it's helpful to understand what's happening here. Um, but I'm also spending a lot of my time looking at entrepreneurs around the world. Um, the reason I'm still here is uh, twofold. I think one, the way innovation is evolving is different than it used to be. Uh, I, I call it the innovation supply chain where the best ideas are coming from everywhere and increasingly getting ameliorated or getting improved everywhere as they evolve. So I'll give you the case of um, ride sharing, which um, it started in the Valley, got adapted all over the world. Today, the biggest ride-sharing company is actually in China. It's DD. There's uh, models in Latam, in the Middle East, um, in Southeast Asia. One of those companies is a company called Gojek, which started in Indonesia. And uh, when I interviewed Nadim, the CEO, he talked about this radically different vision about how to do ride-sharing. Instead of just doing rides, he wanted to create an ecosystem around the drivers um, and so in the morning, he wanted to drive people to work. At lunch, he wanted to deliver food. In the evening, he wanted to drive them home. Um, after work, he wanted to deliver food. And throughout the day, the drivers could then also deliver e-commerce packages or provide financial products and services and things like that. And so we wanted to create this whole ecosystem around it. Um, that model itself was inspired from the super apps coming from Asia. Um, and it's no surprise that today- super, super apps coming from, what do you mean by that? Um, things like what, ha what has happened in China with WeChat, where in one chat platform, you have access to a range of services and WeChat is also the payment infrastructure um, to pay, et cetera. So it's one kind of full ecosystem. And what's amazing about what happened with Gojek is that model has also influenced what's been happening here in the US. Now Uber Eats is one of the fastest growing segments at Uber and Uber's also thought about payments and things like that. 
So one of the reasons I'm, I'm in the Valley is I actually think it's a pretty good spot to get a sense of some of these trends that are moving around the world and, and, and get, a, get, a, get a feeling for that. Um, uh, beca because it's one of the places where people come to uh, to learn. It's still relevant, et cetera. So it, it happens to be there. And two, you know, it happens to be where I live and where, where my wife works and where my daughter goes to school. And so um, I'm, I'm also locked in, but I think I could do the exact same work that I'm doing here from, from a number of other ecosystems as well. So I, th I, think, uh, I think the question is spot on. That's great. And what's, what's one thing that you hope, let's say most of our listeners are entrepreneurs and executives, but they might not feel like they're that innovative. So what's one message you hope that all of us can learn from you and from your book? So I would, I would say life's too short. When my students ask me, what should I do? What should I focus on? What problems should I look at? Um, I'll often ask them, you know, why are you doing this? What motivates you? And invariably they'll tell me, look, I want to have an impact in the world. I really want to want to do something that makes people's lives better. And I think that is, that is a feeling that's universal across a lot of folks. And as you're thinking about the startup you work at, or if you're not going to be the entrepreneur yourself, that's fine too. As you're selecting the, the entrepreneur you're going to work with, or you're going to support as a corporate or what have you, think about investing your time in those creators and in folks that are solving some of the most important and most challenging problems. If I reflect on what's happened with COVID, COVID has not uh, shown us any new information. What it's done is it's laid bare some of the biggest challenges in our society. It's not new in the United States that there's 60 million Americans that have, don't have access to bank accounts. It's not new that 80 million Americans have insufficient access to healthcare. But through COVID, we saw that it was really hard to give them money um, through the government programs, or it was really hard to uh, get care um, because of this. And so as we come out of that, my hope is that people will focus on being creators or supporting creators to hopefully get through some of this some of these big challenges and make it through the other end of this crisis. That's awesome. I love that hope. And thank you for sharing your hope with us, Alex. How can our guests stay in touch with you and read your book? Um, so my book is available anywhere where books are sold, um, including Amazon. In the spirit of uh, COVID and the, and the current crisis, I encourage you to look for um, Out Innovate at uh, your local bookstore. And you can also follow my work by signing up at my newsletter at alexlazaro.com, A-L-E-X-L-A-Z-A-R-O-W.com. Alex, thanks again. Have a great day. Thank you so much for having me. This is fun. Thank you for listening to our Gifters podcast. If you want to turn your story into a successful speaking or coaching business, go to ChristopherKai.com for details.